Hello, Canada and baseball fans in the United States and Newfoundland. Welcome to episode two of Bat Flips and Maple Dips, the baseball podcast that comes to you from Canada, summer home of the majestic Canada Goose. I'm Justin Anderson. What's up? It's Patrick here. This week's topic, we're going to talk about the continuation of our first episode. We went over the pitchers who have contributed or not this season, the outlook of the team. We also talked about the first four rounds of the Blue Jays draft selections. And our conclusion after talking about all of the pitchers was that the team should get as much value as they can for a number of players on the roster in order to get the right pieces in place to compete when our top prospects are ready to play with a big club. So today we'll be going over the position players who have made significant appearances for the team this season. And with time permitting, we'll also talk about some current news surrounding the club, such as injuries to top prospect Vladdy Guerrero Jr., Steve Pierce, and Troy Tulowitzki. Uh, thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. Before we dive into the position players, I'd like to just talk a bit about our recent three-game uh, losing sweep in Tampa Bay against the Rays. I know Patrick has some pretty strong opinions about this, so I'll let Patrick take us away. Man, this team is so frustrating to watch. It's just, I can't, like, when they're winning, it's exhilarating, and when they're losing, it's just table-flipping nonsense. Okay, they 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 do the four-game sweep of Baltimore, and they get my hopes up, and I think to myself, like, oh, there's a chance. Or was it a four-game sweep? Am I making that up? Sweep, and and you you really did think they had a chance. <laughs> oh man, I spent the whole the whole like 24-hour period between the last Baltimore game and the Tampa first Tampa game, thinking like, oh man, they're only 30 and. 35 or 30 and 36 whatever it was uh, you know if they could just beat tampa and then you know do this and do that and do that they might be able to get to 500 before july but uh no i'm tired of deluding myself into thinking this team is anything but trash yeah and to be to be fair there are only one two three four five six teams in the entire american league that are above 500 but that's how bad a gap there is between the good teams and the crappy teams. Yeah, well, you look at teams like like Boston and New York, who are already or in Houston, who are already over twenty games above five hundred. You can throw Seattle in that category now too, and then you have the yep. teams like the Angels, who are between five and ten games over. And then there's us and a few other teams who are below and right near five hundred. But it, there is there's a there's going to be a vast amount of teams who are selling at the deadline this year. And I'm kind of I'm a little bit worried about that, just based on the fact that with so many pieces that are going to be available, uh, getting the value that something commands or somebody commands in return could be a bit of a challenge. We we I know we've we've talked about it and we will talk about it a bit more later. But a guy like Donaldson who's been who's been hurt and is coming back for a second or third time now this season, and he just hasn't been playing like Josh Donaldson. And we talk about getting value for a guy like that and right now his value has never been lower in, in his time with the blue jays yeah i agree uh now on one hand the american league looks like it's just packed with sellers i mm. i just don't see anybody who's not already in a playoff spot even competing the angels are due for an implosion especially with otani 
possibly getting that's a big Tommy loss. John surgery. Is that like is that now locked in that he's going to get TJ surgery or is that still? Yet. I know he he got like a stem cell injection. Oh god, that's not a good sign. Well, well, when you remember when Masahiro Tanaka was supposed to get Tommy John's and they just ended up rehabbing it. I mean, yeah, the guy like that the tear doesn't go away in your elbow, but you kind of learn to manage it, I guess. But uh, in a sense, he's still kind of a ticking time bomb where it could just blow up at any time. And then he'd be yep. really, really screwed and have to sit out for probably a year to a year and a half, which is what they're saying for Otani is that he'd be out until 2020, most likely, just based on the fact well, that we're did... already in June. He wouldn't be pitching, but no. he could still uh, get on uh, get on base, like uh, take some plate appearances. That's at least what I was... Uh, I don't know. Was seeing scuttlebutt on online that he was still possibly going to bat. Yeah, that that, seems, that sounds really risky to me. Just if he ever took a pitch or had to slide and the elbow could just be bent awkwardly or something could happen where he could re-injure it yeah. and make it worse. And that just seems like an unnecessary risk, especially for a guy who who the Angels spent so much effort as did the other team who was trying to get Shohei Otani in in order to bring him to LA. So I I, I don't know. I I if he does get Tommy John's, I would be shutting him down if I was the Angels just to preserve any future yeah you're you're right that we could probably have a whole episode about tommy john surgery alone just in like how widely it's happening and the fact that it's almost as though nowadays pitchers younger pitchers in their 20s are just trying to get that first tommy john surgery out of the way so they can and that's you know that kind of that's kind of strange to me i mean I understand the guys are throwing harder than they ever have before, and I mean the human the human body is pretty pretty crazy in the things that it can do, and like people are getting bigger, stronger, and faster as as the years go along. So I'm just wondering if if, if we've kind of reached kind of the limit of of human I guess durability with all these TJ's surgeries that are happening. I don't know if you have any if you have any thoughts on that, but I'm even just kind of speculating. It's kind of a theory. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question to think about, and I think it it's probably something that we would have to tackle as a whole episode itself, maybe do a little bit of research on what the surgery entails yeah. and the rehab time and mm-hmm. the impact it has on pitchers. I know, like, this is anecdotal at best, <laughs> Very... but as far as, like, TJ surgery goes, I know that, or, or it's something sticks out in my mind that uh, sometimes they lose velocity, but at least they're... Like they, it's not like a nagging injury that's gonna negatively impact them over the long term. Once they get it and rehab it and come back, they're fine. But something is lost. Yeah, whether, I don't know whether or not it be velocity or just some form of of control. And it's just, I think it might be a mental thing too that they come back and they're kind of worried about it happening again. And you you see guys all the time when they're they're playing hurt or something's not right, they kind of play gingerly. And that's not how you want to see a professional athlete play because that just it impacts their performance in a in a very very negative way. Yeah, I I don't know. I think this is something we would have to yeah. really spend time <laughs> kind of researching and see what kind of impact it's had on people or or, or pitchers in particular who have had it mm-hmm. come back and how they performed yeah. since. So and maybe... all all I could do right now is anecdotally kind of guess, <laughs> but it's kind of insane when you think about how 
common Tommy John surgery is now in 2018 compared to like 10 years, 15 ago. years yeah. ago. Yeah. Or, or even 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we're, we're kind of getting a little bit off tangent here, but getting, getting back to what we were talking about with the Tampa Bay Rays series, the, the most frustrating thing for me was getting two solid starts from our starters in the first two games. Gaviglio had a rough start in the, in the, in the, in his game. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I guess the first and third games we had good starts. Uh, and the bullpen just seemed to kind of give it away, uh, which a month ago we were we were talking about how the bullpen was so solid compared to the rotation, and they've kind of reversed roles. I guess the, the bullpen kind of seemed to be carrying the team for a little while on the pitching aspect, and now the starters have kind of done so, and the bullpen is faltering. Well, it's like being on a leaky ship. Yeah. You know, if, if it's not one thing, it's something else. So if you look at, our performance across those three games, the the batters, they're the hitters, just weren't there. It was like they we were able to blow away the Orioles there, and then they they were out of gas. It's it's the difference between the, the Orioles are a very very bad team. Like Tampa Bay is very slimmer to us in terms of record, um, and, and I think even just talent wise this season with who we have on our active roster currently, um, they just got Nathan Evoldi back, so that's a big boost to Tampa. Um, but I think that they're just they're just as good of a team, if not better, a team than us right now. And and Tropicana Field's never been a place where the Blue Jays have had uh, have have had success. So I, I, that's probably just a function of being on the road, being in a place that they've never really performed well, um, and just running into <clears throat> some hot Tampa Bay pitchers. And that's that was really the, the tale of it all, is that in that last game, the one nothing game, Tampa's bullpen, it was a bullpen day, for goodness sakes, and they, and they shut us down. Yeah. I mean, I feel comfortable saying that Tampa Bay uh, are definitely a, uh, a better team than Toronto at this point. At this point in time, yeah. But, I mean, we do have a lot of injuries and not not to make excuses but i mean it, it's we're dealing with some some pretty serious injuries on the team right uh to significant players so i, I and i mean look the season's over for both teams so <laughs> yeah it's it's all i, I find it hard i find it hard to even care at this point <laughs> i've already been robbed of all of my hope yeah I mean, because it, of this sweep so it's hard to think about like we're, we're kind of mentally i guess checked out i mean remember i remember april 2017 <laughs> we went eight and tw- eight and 17 and the season was over then um even even though we did <laughs> yeah. have that crazy may that saw us basically get back to 500 but not quite get there um <laughs> even if we got to 500 it wouldn't matter i, I could see this team still being able to win 84 or 85 games, know, but it would take a phenomenal July and August to do it, and it still won't matter because we're still going to be 10 plus games back yeah. of the wild card, even if we do hit 500. So the way the way this team is playing right now, if if we were to play like this over the course of a full season, this is a 90 loss team. I don't think we're there yet. This is a this three game sweep is a blip. We'll see how the guys can rebound against the Nats, which a tough series to come into off of a three game sweep. Uh, yeah, but it, it's it's the it's kind of like when your back's against the wall, how you perform is is, is really it speaks volumes about the team you have, and we'll see if these guys are willing to play hard, and if if they're not, I'm I worry for John Gibbons' job. I don't want to see him <laughs> fired. Yeah, I would I, because I don't think it's his fault um as it usually isn't with a manager or a coach, but somebody has to take the blame, and you and you can't really fire a player, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get into our, our main topic, the last thing I just want to say about this is 
Uh, for all you Jays fans out there, uh, getting ready for the remainder of June uh, and maybe having some cautious optimism up. about what might ha- what might happen, uh, buckle up because I'm about to tell you who they're going to play <laughs> and how many games. Um, so uh, June 15th, 16th, and 17th, we are at home against the Washington Nationals, who are definitely one of the uh, contenders for a wild card spot in the National League. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have a day off on the 18th, but then the 19th and 20th, we're going to be at home against the Atlanta Braves, who are kind of the Cinderella team of this year. Uh, definitely playing uh, way better baseball than anybody, including their fans, could have expected. Um, they're also a team, if they're not leading their division, they're very close to being a wild card competitor Mm -hmm. and we immediately hit the road to california to play four games against the los angeles angels who are currently uh joining us in an epic tailspin so the 21st 22nd 23rd and 24th we will uh, probably get our faces pounded in by uh trout and company we'll see though and then we get to go see uh the houston boys which is gonna be fun (laughs) <laughs> That's right. 25th, 26th, and 27th, we're going to see the Houston Astros Oof. in Houston. Oof. That's going to be nothing short of horrific. Uh, a, yeah, day off the 28th, and then uh, we're going to wrap up June at home against the Tigers. And that series is actually going to go on July 1st and 2nd. So Canada Day game against the Tigers uh, at the Rogers Center. We'll see... We'll see what happens, but um, if we're being honest with ourselves, how many games is that? 3, 4, 5, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 games left in June. Um, I'd be happy if we came out of it with five wins. I I just don't see anything more than five or six wins on this. It's a tough stretch, and for a team that's already eight games below 500, um, yeah, see you later. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be Episode it's gonna be a rough one. It, realistically, <laughs> even if we won one game for every series, that's probably <laughs> yeah. That's what five and eight. Really sad, Patrick. You're depressing me. I mean, we should be good enough to be able to beat the Tigers in both those games. <laughs> Should's a big word. It is. Uh, I doubt we could steal one from Houston. They're they're the hottest team in baseball right now. Haven't they won like eight in a row or something like that? I don't that? Even want to look at the Astros because it's just intimidating at this point. Yeah, let's just assume that that's a, a lost cause. The Angels there, could be interesting yeah. because they're the kind of team that if Trout is hot and the rest of the team can rally around him, they could sweep us, but oh. they're in a tailspin, so we could sweep them. But it won't matter because we're still going to be so far in a hole that it just doesn't matter. Yeah. You can. Yeah. I mean, we're not playing meaningful baseball in June, folks. I'm not trying to, like, (laughs) suck the life out of this podcast on the second episode. But let's just be honest with ourselves. It's nice to be hopeful. Would it be great if we won 10 out of those 13 games? Sure. It's not going to happen. So. Let's just enjoy talking about the future and maybe one or two players we, we might want to keep uh, going into 2019. So that's all I'm going to say about that schedule. Today's episode brought to you by Depressing Thoughts. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, most of us have already, you know, cried our tears into our pillows at night. So every day for all you. Yeah, exactly. For all you hardened Jays fans, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, this is a rough schedule. This is probably the roughest schedule we have at any point for the remainder of the season except unless boston or new york back to back which is gonna suck 
Yeah. Other than that, though, July isn't too bad. Yeah. I I took a little peek at the schedule, and I could see us being a 500 team in that month. Yeah. But we're still going to be t- 10 or more games below 500. Yeah. So don't yeah. expect meaningful baseball until 2019. I, I would even go further and say until 2021, but that's just me. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll get we'll get there. Yeah. Okay, um, let's dive into our main topic. We're going to start behind the plate at catcher. I know you would like to talk about Luke Maley, so I'm going to leave that in your capable pa- capable hands, and I'll just add in some comments where I see fit. Yeah, so uh, as you know, depressing as this season has been so far for the Jays uh, and not really playing meaningful baseball past mm-hmm. the middle of June, uh, boy, it's just <laughs> even saying that is... <laughs> It just makes me a very, very sad person. But I digress. Luke Melee has actually had a pretty good season, all things considering. He's currently batting .245 uh, with a .342 on base percentage, a .412 slugging. So his slash is uh, pretty good, especially for someone who otherwise has had very little success at the plate. He's got a .754 OPS. So, I mean... It's, yeah, that's a good catcher number. Yeah, um, he's played he's played in thirteen less games than Russell Martin, and he's having a better offensive season. He, I I still I'm 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 on the Luke Maley um undecided boat. I guess you could say he's he's doing things this year that he's never done before. Like he's he's walking twice as much this year as he ever has, which is great if if that's the case that he's going to keep doing this. And one other thing is he's also getting 90% of his contact is medium to hard contact, which is like highly, highly unsustainable, but awesome at the same time. And that's led to him having like his 361 batting average on balls in play. So, I mean, the, the guy is hitting the ball hard when he does make contact. His average is still pretty low, but for a catcher, I'll take 245 any day. Yeah, I agree with all the points that you made, as especially with the contact stuff. Yeah, It's not sustainable, but the thing is, it was like two or three weeks ago before we even started this podcast that we started mm-hmm. discussing Luke Melee and whether or not this was the new normal. Right. And I don't want to say that it is, but he comes with more perks than just his on-plate ability. Yeah. Um, yeah, his fielding right now is down a little bit. Uh, 985 is his fielding percentage. Uh, just a tiny bit below the league average for catchers. Uh, but his caught stealing percentage is 35%. That's good. Yeah. Uh, which is consistent with his career average thus yeah, far. Yeah, he hasn't, just, you he hasn't know. done anything out of the ordinary fielding-wise. Right, and he's actually way better than the league average uh, caught stealing percentage, which is just 27%. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, um, but we can kind of see that as far as defense goes, he is defensively an average catcher who definitely has the ability to sling that ball across the diamond and catch batters better yeah. than most. Yes. Yeah, so... Or- Looking at his status, I mean, we have him under team control through 2019, so uh, we we can pretty, I believe, that we can pretty much say that he's going to be on the team next year in some yes. way or form. He hasn't shown anything to to merit him not making the roster next year. The only way I see him not being on this team is if he's traded. And there are some teams out there that, as the deadline <clears throat> approaches, they maybe they need a catcher or the waiver uh, deadline in August. They might need somebody to pick up for just playoff depth. 
if they have somebody go down. Um, like say Gary Sanchez, God forbid, ever gets hurt for the Yankees, they might need to pick somebody up that's that can fill in respect respectively, and mainly might be a guy they look at just based on the way he's performed so far this season. It, yeah, I mean that's an interesting thought, especially given the fact that. Uh, Mele is not eligible for arbitration until 2020 and yeah. won't be a free agent until 2023. Mm-hmm. I see him as being a, the stopgap uh, catcher who will eventually transition into the backup role. Yeah, I still think that Luke Mele is a backup Danny Jansen catcher. is ready. Yeah. But that being said, um, I don't see him being a trade piece for us. Unless it just doesn't make sense when player. he's so young and there's so much team control. Maybe yeah. if he had less if he had Less fewer years, years but For there's sure. still so much time left before he can hit free agency that mm-hmm. he could, I think he'll be a serviceable backup catcher, assuming he does eventually regress to, to his average, a his average career. Yeah. Numbers. To like, yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, and, and guys, he, he could, he's, he's already improving his career numbers every day right now. So his career averages are being pulled up. So he, he's going to find some semblance of, of a, of a number close to where he's been uh, throughout his career thus far. He doesn't have a ton of experience in the big leagues, so maybe this is just a case of a guy who's finding it. Like we, We've seen guys before not be great baseball players and then hit 54 home runs. So it is yeah. possible for, for players to find a, a swing, an approach that works for them, and it, complete, it complete, completely changes the trajectory of their career. And then maybe that's the case with Miley. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not the case because I don't have that kind of knowledge on Luke Maley to say that he's made some crazy drastic changes that have led to this. Yeah, I mean, he's certainly, uh, if he's doing this, he's finding it on his own. He's probably not help finding very much help when it comes to the coaching staff. <laughs> and we'll talk about that a little bit later yeah. as far as my principal criticism mm-hmm. of um, the hitting coaches. Yeah. But um, as great as Maley is, Russell Martin... Oof. Please have a seat. We need to have a talk, and you're not going to like what I have to say. (laughs) Right now, Martin is batting 174 with a 317 on base percentage, which is ungodly high considering how poorly he's batting at the plate. Yeah, Yeah, and uh, his slugging is 322. That is a bad slash. And um, how was it that you put it a couple days back? Uh, how is he swinging the bat? Martin is swinging a plastic bag right now. <laughs> it just looks like he's got one of those grocery oh, bags man. with two handles on it. And he's yeah. just swinging it. And it's just not, it doesn't have the speed. It just looks like he's just out there hacking and slashing away with a, he's like Paul Bunyan up there with, with an axe right now, just chopping wood. Except you know that there's force behind that swing. Yeah. Right it, now, it just I just, I don't know what's happening with Russell Martin, but the regression that we've seen from his ability in the last two years yeah. has me shook. You can go, you can go back on his, on, on his statistics page and you can see uh, kind of a trend developing in his last year. Like he had a great year in his last year with Pittsburgh that warranted him getting a big deal from us. Yeah. But ever since he's come to Toronto, you can just see every year there's just some nasty, nasty signs that the Russell Martin that we got was not the Russell Martin that he was at any point with Pittsburgh. I mean, he did, granted, he did look really good in 2015. Like the guy, um, he only, he hit 240, but his slugging slugging percentage uh, is 458. So, I mean, that's 130 points higher than it is this year. And that's three years years ago. Yeah. Um, 
there's a number called ISO, which is average minus slugging. And like over the course of Martin's career, his average ISO is 151. And that's the isolated power metric that kind of shows how much um, I got a hit for power. So right now, Martin's got a 171 average and a 145 ISO. So his ISO isn't that far below his career averages. So when he's hitting the ball, he's still doing things with it. It's just the fact that he's swinging and missing and grounding out and not making meaningful contact nearly enough. Yeah, he is not good at the plate anymore, and I don't know if it's because he's lost his patience or because the hitting coaches aren't going back to the fundamentals to kind of help him through this slump. Maybe it's because he's a 35-year-old catcher who lost his knees. Yeah, I mean, those first two seasons that we had him, uh, I think were, were worth the money that we were paying him, and he certainly has a positive presence uh, you know, as a, a battery mate for, you know, all the all the pitchers that he's catching for. Yeah, he's a good but, he's a good game caller for sure. Like, let's not sugarcoat it. His batting average is down, yeah. his on base percentage is down, his fielding percentage is down, yeah. his caught stealing percentage is down. All of these stats are below the league average and he's not gonna be a free agent for another two years. Yeah, we have him signed through next season. I have it on my notes that we have to reluctantly keep him next year. <laughs> Because yep, just, he's no 35 and in rapid decline yeah. at this point. Uh, they might as well just experiment with a spot on the field that he can be a serviceable I utility like player, that. and then just back up Luke Melee until he fixes his hitting. I, I don't I don't like the Russell Martin and the anywhere else but catcher at all. I don't think it's, it's just not it's not smart. Is there anywhere that he hasn't played this season on the field? First base. I guess I he hasn't. He hasn't pitched. He has, yeah, first base. Maybe second base. Ugh, I don't know. Like when you when you're hitting that poorly, I just he, he's going to be a twenty million dollar utility player, and that's really gross. He's not. He's not Brock Holt. That's for sure. Um, the fact that we're that we're paying him what we are, and also that Gibbons felt the need to keep him in the lineup, even though granted we don't have that many other options, but even though he's batting as poor as he has been. He keeps finding ways to put him in the lineup. Uh, at some point, you just gotta be like, okay, this guy just needs to sit down for a while. Like, put him on the DL or something. Bring Danny Jansen <laughs> up. Like, make up an injury. Like, hurt feelings. I don't care what they have to do, but Russell Martin shouldn't be playing nearly every day. Like, once every three. Him and Maley should just switch completely. At what point do you think he gets DFA like Hanley Ramirez? God, I, I don't know if Russell will just because. See, if, if Hanley Ramirez was a catcher, I don't know if he would have been DFA'd. The thing with catching, you, you always feel like, even when you're listening to, to Buck and, and Pat talk during the TV broadcast, you talk about, they always talk about how um, you don't expect great offense from your catcher. He's, the catcher's not there to, to be the offensive star. He's there to call the game, receive the pitches, work with the pitching staff to make them better. And I still think that Russell Martin does that well, but is that worth $20 million? No. I don't think so. It's not worth 10 Yeah. It's barely worth 5 You can't have somebody who's batting almost 70. 30 points below the Mendoza line. <laughs> yeah, that's in, not great. On your team. Like, if, the, if these numbers, if this was Luke Melee who had these numbers, he'd we'd be, be saying... He'd be in the minors right now. He'd get, be optional. Yeah, get him, out, get him out of there. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's it's frustrating because I mean I like Russell there, Martin a lot, but yeah, at what point? he's a very likable player. And the the thing that's awful about this is that if he gets DFA'd, 
somebody gets them for nothing. But the thing is, who in the hell is going to want to pay to get Russell Martin at this point in his career? Would a scenery change help? I mean, is that where we're at? I don't know. I, I, I just can't see Russell Martin ever being the Russell Martin that he was two or three years ago again. No, I agree. Yeah. And the question is, at what point does he become a pure hindrance for the team? I think he, he already, we're not there. Already, we're not there yet. He is. He's getting. We're getting pretty close to that point. Like if if there's not noticeable signs in the next thirty games that Russell Martin is figuring something out, whether it be offensively or just in another, another way, say the pitching staff starts going on fire, and you can attribute that a bit to him. I don't. I don't. I don't think Russell Martin deserves to play professional baseball if he hasn't made improvements soon. If I was, yeah, I mean, twenty million. The only way out of it is job, putting him on the DL, though. Yeah, I. I don't know. I just look at it another way. It's like if I was getting paid what Russell Martin is to do my job, and if I was doing a crappy job, I wouldn't have a job anymore. And well, I mean, we, we're paying Russell Martin <laughs> to do nothing at this point. I mean, Vernon Wells got away with it for years in Toronto. And so did so. Jose last year, but <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Sometimes they're. It, I I uh I give the I give the Red Sox huge props for having the guts to DFA Hanley Ramirez um and he, who still hasn't been picked up anybody else so I don't I don't know maybe there's just something that they had the balls to do that maybe we should follow suit <laughs> yeah but there might be more to the Hanley story we don't really know yeah, exactly know. there's there's well. often a lot of stuff when it comes to yeah baseball that we just we just don't know any better we only know what's on the stat sheets mm-hmm. i'm not trying to make excuses for martin or no. for dfaing someone who hit 10 home runs you know a month before right. getting dfa'd i mean i just don't know the situation sure. what i do know is russell martin is really bad at the plate and you know if it wasn't for the fact that he was you know, drawing walks still, I would be thinking about DFA more seriously. Yeah. Maybe a stint on the DL will give him a chance to right the swing, but first I got to fire the hitting coach and bring in someone who can help him. Because yeah. obviously Brent whoever's Kobe's there right now help. isn't helping. Um, let's let's move on to Justin Smoke at first base. I, yeah, I, so, I thought Smoke was having a better season than he is. <laughs> well, there there's good signs yeah. because on one hand... His on-base percentage is 366, which is pretty good considering he's only hitting 229. That's a good. That's that a means he's guy. he's drawing walks. Yeah. Uh, his slugging percentage is 417, which is not good. That's lower. Especially for someone we expect to be the power hitter. Yeah, his power numbers have been pretty pretty low this year. For his fielding uh, percentage, I mean, it's hard to make an error at first base. Uh, he's at 998, uh, which is very slightly above league average. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's an upcoming free agent in 2019. So he's really kind of in that position where would it be great to keep him? Do we yes. have a team option? Are, are we gonna, yeah, are we going to pay him the money that he is going to deserve for his age 32 contract? Yeah. Or are we going to try to get maximum value for a player who's definitely got a lot of utility especially for an american league team who can have him d uh dh sure and play first so i don't know i could see i could even see smoke getting dealt to the nl where he could just play first base regularly for somebody i don't know that's not that's not the question i mean we've no i mean yeah is anybody in need of a first baseman right now not that I, not that I'm aware of. I didn't look into that. But I mean, for Justin Smoke, he's he's a pretty serviceable guy. He's proved that he can play good defense over there. 
Um, and, and his bat is a switch hitter, which in the National League especially is a huge, huge perk with all of the uh, chess matching that goes on with the bullpens there. Um, he's, a, he's a guy that doesn't matter what kind of pitcher you bring in, he's going to be able to flip around and face him anyway. So Yeah, there's a lot of... Uh value with Justin Smoke and as much as I'd like to see him stay with the Jays I think he ends up being uh one of our more valuable trade yeah. pieces because I mean he's got he's got a team option for next year in his contract it's it's got a six million dollar base um but it's based on how many plate appearances he has between this year and last year and right now he's already crossed the first threshold which puts him up to i think it's 7 million and it can go as high as 8 million if he gets to 1100 plate appearances and he's already over 900 so unless yeah, he gets Yeah that's injured, not bad actually though 8 million dollars uh, for Justin for... Smoke who is a good defender and a switch hitting power hitter is yeah. not out of the question and he'll only be 32 next year so i mean it's not terribly old yeah that that average the 229 batting average is going to go up yeah there, yeah there's no way that it's it sinks much lower he's do well i hate saying this i hate it too Don't uh, say it. i know he's due for a in uh Whatever the opposite of a regression is, a return to the average. It's, still regression. it's just a regression oh. to normal. It's still a regression, technically. It, well, yeah. Regression is not always negative. We just always assume it is because that's what we hear all the time. This, his, his average should go back up to his career average, right? and his slugging is undoubtedly going to go up with that. Yeah. So once he gets hot, he becomes a more interesting commodity for the Jays yeah. to deal. The problem for Smokey is that he doesn't really have he doesn't have Josh Donaldson hitting before him right now. So he's he doesn't have players on base when he gets up as much. So he's not seeing as many fastballs or hittable pitches as he would <clears throat> even if he had somebody with a bit more power hitting behind him. We've had Solarte or, or Morales in there, and Solarte has been having a, a decent season, but Morales hasn't. So every time Kendris is in there behind Smokey, it just limits the amount of pitches that there's the, the somebody will gladly walk smoke to face Morales right now. I know I would. So that's yeah that's that aspect. But too. I mean that's why he has such a great on base percentage. Yeah. But yeah, I. <sighs> I know, like everybody has seen Moneyball and knows that on base percentage is an important stat, yeah. but it really is undervalued. Definitely. If you can draw walks, like Jose Batista was still very good at drawing walks last year. Yeah. Not it, as good as he used to be, no. but on base percentage was his saving grace. It, it kept him, him in the lineup. Okay. Yeah. Devin Travis. Um, we've talked a lot about Devin Travis off the air. Um, he hasn't done anything really. I mean, his average is low, his power is low. He's striking out a ton. He's making a hundred or one point four five million this year. He's eligible for his second year of arbitration. Uh, I've got it in my notes to either trade him or just let him let him walk, kind of thing. I wouldn't even ne- negotiate through arbitration. I'd just let the guy go. Um, I don't see. It's hard to say because on one hand, yeah, his hitting is an absolute mess right now. Defensively, he's not uh, that good. Far- Defensively speaking, he has a 993 fielding percentage, which is way above the average for a second baseman. Uh, he is a trade piece that is in desperate need of a fresh start. Yeah, I'm thinking probably the American League, and it will give him a chance, His probably his last chance, to become a regular everyday second baseman who hopefully does not get injured at all. And yeah. I don't know what teams are in need of a second baseman or could use a, ty- a Devin Travis type because uh, he's not even getting on base. He has no power anymore. Whatever it was that he had 
when we first got him. He doesn't have it anymore. Yeah. He's an excellent fielder. So he's kind of like, reminds me a bit of John McDonald, who uh, Johnny Mack, when he was Jay, was just an incredible defender. But at the plate, it was just, it was just like assuming an out. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it, it's almost like Ryan Goins was last the last few years, where he's just a hell of a fielder, perceived hell of a fielder, but uh, basically nothing on, on offense. Um, there's not much else to say about Travis. He he's been hurt a few times this season in the last couple of years, um, and I'd rather just move on and talk about somebody else before I before I rag on the yeah, guy too much. The last thing I'd say about Travis is that he is going to be the odd man out when it comes to the depth on this team. There are For way sure. too many uh, players in the minors right now, even on the Fisher Cats alone, yeah. between Guriel, Bichette, um, Kevon Biggio. Yeah, Kevon Biggio. There are a lot of players who are going to be coming up in our system yeah. who can play second base and are probably going to be able to hit better than 205 mm-hmm. and probably be able to get on base more than... Uh, two six four. Yeah. So whatever it is he needs to fix, he needs to do it like ASAP in order to secure a job for himself next year, whether it's on Toronto or who frickin' knows. Yeah. Um, he needs to see more pitches. He needs to walk more. He needs to stop striking out <laughs> as much. Yeah. It's it's just a bad situation. There's it's almost as though there's this systemic problem in Toronto where everybody just free balls and swings whenever the hell they want. And there's no patience. Mm-hmm. Nobody is drawing rocks the way they used to on this team. And yeah, long story short, Pete Walker, if you're out there, maybe try to help Devin Travis out before he loses his career uh, in major league baseball. And yeah. if not, yeah, fired. Yeah. And speaking of <laughs> moving on play second base, Jan Harvis Salarte, um, maybe the best surprise this year for the Jays just because he's been healthy, he's shown some pop, uh, and he can play almost anywhere on the field, and he's shown some nice uh, versatility there. I mean, the guy, he's outperforming his career power numbers, so we might see him hit a few less home runs, uh, but he's already hit, I think it's 12 or 13 home runs this season, which, sure, that's been that's been a really good contribution. Um, but I mean... In terms of the good old fan graphs that weighted runs created, um, where the average is 100 in the league, Sludge is only a 103 player, so he's barely above a replacement level player in that sense. But I would value his versatility a lot higher than, than that. Yeah, I mean, he's a good fielder. Uh, we do have team control next year, yeah. free agent in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, his slugging at 446 isn't too bad for you know an infield replacement player. I would like it if he saw more walks or saw more balls that seems to be uh, because his on base is only 309. So, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not that much higher than his. It's only 50 points higher than his average, which you'd like to see a guy have more of like a 70 to 85, 90 points higher OPP than, than his average. So Yeah, I know this team isn't very good, and, uh, and there's obviously a systemic problem with being able to take pitches instead of... Yeah free balling and swinging out of desperation yeah, uh, every every inning are definitely not helping us too much, I, you know. I see him as a very useful utility infielder who yeah. is solid defensively and clearly has pop in his bat that we can either uh keep him around as a transition player before mm-hmm. uh the young guns from the fisher cats come up or 
he might be considered useful trade fodder if they think the development of those players is so far advanced that that extra time that we have Solarte uh, under team control is of no consequence because he's going to be replaced. Yeah, you mentioned mentioned him bridging the gap kind of thing. And I have have our next guy, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I have him in my notes. I think that Gurriel Jr. is going to be our starting second baseman next year. And, yeah, and I, I would agree. And I would see Salarte if Donaldson does not go or does go this year, which which he's going to either way through trade or free agency, um, filling in as a backup, second base, third base behind, hopefully, Vadi Jr. Um, and then playing shortstop with either Bichette or Aledmus Diaz, who we can keep around too if we want. Um, Guriel, he's he's playing in AAA right now, and he's doing very very well. He's going to be one of those September call-ups, if not sooner, when the roster expand, uh, just to get him some more some more played appearances. I mean, the way this team is looking, um, some of these guys are going to get called up a lot sooner, like Anthony Alford and perhaps Dalton Pompey once again, um, and maybe even Dwight Smith Jr., who I really like. Um, but there's going to be some some roster options as the season goes along especially if some guys off of our big league club are traded away, there's going to be some opportunities for guys like Guriel and Alfred to play some, some baseball, which is going to be great for their development and for the fans to see. Yeah, and even if the team loses, it doesn't really matter because the season, uh, as we yeah, already said, is over. depressingly already <laughs> over. So it doesn't matter if we lose by 10 or 15 runs every game for the rest of the year because... It's all about those guys getting experience. Speaking of Guriel, he's next on our list. Yeah. Uh, um, he had such a nice start to his time with the team earlier in the yeah. year, and then it all kind of came crashing down, and that, that initial high that he had um, ended very abruptly. Uh, batting 206 with a 229 on base percentage, which is really bad uh in a 309 slugging which is kind of surprising considering how poorly he batted he clearly needs more time in the minors to fix his you know his ability to to hit non-fastballs um but the good news is that he's under contract for so long so that long. at 25 we're, we're not even thinking about arbitration years no, now so he's got nice. lots of time to develop um yeah I, let's let's move on to Aledmus Diaz at shortstop. Uh, he was he was he had a pretty strong start for for a guy that that we kind of just grabbed from St. Louis. Um, yeah, I mean like, he's under team control again next year. He's making a couple million bucks this season. So I mean he's likely going to make about two to three million dollars in 2019. And he's one of those affordable guys that that we can keep around if we need somebody in a backup infield role. But yeah, yeah. he's a he's a weak bat and he's an average fielder. Yeah. So I say we keep Diaz because he'll be cheap, mm-hmm. and we don't know what the situation is with Tulo. So yeah. really, the only way I see Diaz not being on the team is if he's kind of like a value added piece in a trade. He won't be the main player in. Any any trade, but he'll be kind of a value adder as just as yeah. somebody to, for the other team to take away from us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know exactly where he might fit in as far as the future goes. Yeah. He's clearly not going to be like a starter. No, goodness, but no. he he can he can be inserted into the lineup and not be as dramatic a liability as a younger player who still needs more experience, like Guriel. Yeah, um, Richard Urania. I know. 
we've we've seen eleven games out of him and a, a couple of handfuls of of plate appearances. He had some time with us last year, and and from what I remember, it was decently positive. He's hit he's hit well in the minor leagues. Um, he's probably just one of those guys who just needs to be given a shot to play regularly for a few weeks to kind of figure out what kind of big league bat he's going to be. Yeah, it was almost like it was psychic when you said September call-up that uh, there was going to be a list of some of these guys who've gotten a look early. Yeah. And Urania is going to be a September call-up yeah, because really. we're probably going to need uh, some sort of starting shortstop if Tulo doesn't... Uh, doesn't come back and he's 22 years old uh tons of time left for development um yeah he only played 11 games he made two errors already yeah so i don't know if his fielding is something that he's known for or not but that few of a of a game size yeah i mean when you're 22 you probably have the yips when you're playing (laughs) your first mlb games or early in your career so i mean Two errors is negligible. I'd like to see him draw some walks, um, you know, in some plate appearances because sure. he hasn't done that yet. Yeah. Um, but he can he can hit the ball. He He's got some power. Ball. He's got some pop, which which is you'd like to see that from a middle infielder. Um, it, it's definitely a, a added bonus. Anytime you can get a guy who can who can pound the ball around the field, it's it's always nice to see from your middle infield. Uh, Giovanni Urshela, uh, kind of he we grabbed him. Was it from Detroit or was it Cleveland? One of the two. Uh, I thought it was Cleveland, yeah, Cleveland, but those guys that Mike I don't know. probably knows from his days there. Uh, yeah, that's where he was before. So, I mean, he's he's been decent in the field from what I've seen of him. But I, yeah, I he, has, he hasn't made a, a mistake at third, a, one error at short. Yeah, I, I say that he's just one of those organizational depth guys who's probably going to play in AAA most of the season. Because once, once Donaldson comes up, Urshela's probably the guy that gets sent down. Um, and then next year, if, we, if he's still with us, likely AAA. Yeah, he. Uh, I've used this phrase before, uh, quadruple-A player. Yeah, high, a player who is level. great in AAA but can't quite find it, figure it out in MLB. And he might be one, although he did have a superior performance at the plate than Guriel. But Guriel also has like less than 12 months of experience playing uh, North American pro ball yeah. as opposed to the ball in Cuba. Uh, Cuba. So, yeah. Yeah. Urschel is just a depth guy, and there's not really much else to say except he'll probably eat some innings later on in the season when all those other guys have been traded. Yeah. Okay. Um, last guy on the infield, uh, our boy Josh Donaldson. We've talked about him in passing a couple of times so far this episode. With regards to his injury, um, his status with the team in terms of trade value, he is a free agent. He's making $23 million this season to do not a whole lot. Good for him. Um, he's running the bases. He was supposed to run the bases today or yeah, and yesterday and maybe rejoin the team tomorrow against Washington or do a rehab game or two in Buffalo. From my perspective, I'd like to see him get a couple of rehab games in AAA just to face some pitching and hopefully get the opportunity to run the bases in field. Cause I don't want to see him come up again and just blow himself up right away. Yeah. I, man, I love Josh Donaldson. The, his time in Toronto is almost done. Yeah. He, he is really good at being able to get on base. He draws a lot of walks and I like that he has that patience and we know that he has better pop than what he's shown so far this season. Yeah. 
Um, but if we're being honest with ourselves, even if JD was affordable, these nagging injuries that he's had the past couple seasons and his declining performance at bat makes me think that he is not a $23 million player and he's not going to command nearly that much money on the free agency market. If we could get him for really, really cheap uh, at 33 and maybe convert him over to a DH, I'd be okay with that. He's well above average for a third baseman as far as fielding percentage goes this year. Yeah. But he's our he, he's one of our most valuable trade pieces, if and he pretty much has to go with the deadline, yeah, whether think, we sign him or not. As long as Donaldson stays healthy for the next month and performs somewhere close to what he should do, his value is going to go back up, especially for those rental teams who need a third baseman. Or like you said, American League team might need a DH um, for a playoff push. He's like he's a guy that could definitely fill the bill there. I know. I know with with Otani being potentially out for the Angels, they're lacking a DH spot that he was filling for most of his, his at bats. So maybe Donaldson goes there. Um, yeah, he, he he'll he, command more though yeah. uh, to a team that really needs a third baseman like St. Louis, St. Louis or maybe somebody like Milwaukee. Right. Uh. Yeah. I. I think. I think it's just. Donaldson's, it's it's frustrating to talk about him because I, the guy is such a good player when he's healthy. Yeah. And at, at this point in time, I'm not certain that he that he can stay healthy anymore. At least not right now. Maybe maybe this latest time off because he's had this the the dead arm and then the calf injuries. Um, that maybe his calves are too big. I remember seeing a picture of the dude in shorts and his calves are just massive. Maybe that's just the problem. They're they're too big and they just keep getting hurt. Uh. <laughs> But, but, but <laughs> I don't know, man. But let's yeah, say, like, what if you were, uh, what if you were Ross Atkins, uh, and you you weren't a fan, you were just like an executive on the team who might also happen to be a fan. But more importantly to that, you look at Josh Donaldson. Yes or no? Do you trade him before the deadline? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's gonna happen, and that is going to have a significant impact on whether he comes back to the team in the future so that's why i think like whether we trade him or, or not he's probably done mm-hmm. yeah the, if he if we could get him for cheap and he wants to stay in toronto i say do it and convert him to a dh and fire kendris morales into the sun or whatever it takes to get rid of him yeah but that's let's let's just move on let's talk about morales based on that um, we got we have him signed for one more year. I believe it's twelve million dollars for twenty nineteen. We're likely stuck with him. He's not even a replacement level player right now, and he's also just a DH. He doesn't even feel partly. Um, but he does have that veteran leadership, and we we can talk all we want about trading all these guys, but having that one or two veterans like a Martin who will be have next year likely, and a Morales is it's definitely something good to have in the clubhouse. Our other veteran player that we have that will likely be around is just Kevin Pillar. Um, and he doesn't really strike me as a clubhouse leader compared to a guy like Russell Martin and maybe Kendris Morales with all of the Latin-born players that, we're, that we have and will have. He might be a good guy to keep around. But based on, oh. based on offense, I don't want him. But based on the intangibles that he could or may provide, then maybe he's worth keeping for the remainder of his contract. And perhaps he figures something out and p- performs better, and we can flip him next year during the season. I don't know. I I, I can't think of a, a single player that I 
personally am more disappointed and dislike more in their current role than Kendris Morales. The ages are so frustrating. It's just he has no value as a fielder, and, and we him. are paying him money to go out and slug. And, I mean, we picked this guy up over Edwin. <laughs> like, it makes me sick it makes thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, that's Kendris Morales. Like, there's really nothing to say about him. He hasn't been remarkable at all this season offensively he had that one week at the start of june i believe it was where he all of a sudden had like he was batting like 400 over a stretch of games and now he's just doing nothing again so there's that yeah i would like to i would like him jettison from this team as soon as possible <laughs> yeah it, that might mean having to wait a year though because unfortunately um who's gonna want to pay him 12 million dollars mm-hmm. just yuck although he did go two for five against Baltimore on the tenth, and two for four on the eleventh. It's Baltimore. Oh, for one on the twelfth. I know, but I'm just saying, like, there might be something left there. His last seven games, actually, even his last fifteen games, he's batting two ninety six. That's better. Which is, yeah, but I mean, those first, the the first. 30 or whatever games that he played this year so far were an absolute nightmare. (laughs) Just watching him come up to bat and watching him just, just swing at nothing. It's the bat speed. I don't think is there anymore. And uh, he's not, I keep saying this, the Jays are not drawing enough walks. He's drawn one walk in seven games, three and 15, six and 30. Six walks in 30 games from your DH. Not great. No, nobody's afraid of him anymore. No, and that's the that's one of the problems. Um, this next guy we're going to talk about, people are definitely afraid of Curtis Granderson right now. Outside, outside Branch, of man. outside of Salarte and Hernandez, Curtis has been our maybe our biggest offensive producer this season in terms of just pure value that we've got from him. Like he's. He's got a, a, an OPS over 900 right now. He strikes out like 30% of the time, but when he makes contact, he's smacking the ball around. He's hitting doubles, and he's hitting home runs, and he's left-handed, which is always awesome. <laughs> he's got the best eyes on the team right now. For sure. I always uh, like the the posts on Reddit where it's just, can we appreciate Curtis Granderson's at-bat from last night? And it's just every day there's a, a, a shit post, quote-unquote, of that happening and it's just yeah we we can because it was a really good freaking at bat because the guy has patience he can take a pitch he's got really a really good really really good eye for the strike zone and that goes without saying it's very very valuable yeah and even now like he's actually uh hitting his career average he is yeah. 30 points above on his on base percentage mm-hmm. and his slugging is slightly below the norm so yeah. I'm not saying that he's playing the best baseball of his career, but he's certainly performing close. to expectations. And talk about clubhouse leaders. Curtis Granderson is definitely the kind of player you want to have on your team yeah. in your clubhouse. He's making five. Definitely. He's making five million bucks on that one-year deal this, that we signed him to. Um, a guy that we could trade. He's definitely got high value at, at his current uh, level of play. Like I don't think his value is going to get much higher this season 
and he's played for a ton of teams in his career and he's he's been around he's been to the playoffs um but with that being said i mean i wouldn't hate seeing us keep granderson and, and maybe trying to resign him on a, on a similar uh deal next season just to have again that veteran leadership in the clubhouse uh from a guy who has been to the meaningful games in the postseason uh yeah i mean I like Curtis Granderson quite a bit. It was probably my favorite offseason signing that the Jays Same. made just because of his, his not only his track record, but just what he brings off the field. Yeah, I agree with you. I would say, though, I think I'm slightly disagreeing on what his future is with the Jays. Yeah. I see him more as a trade piece to a contender. Yeah. He could go to an AL or an NL team oh, yeah. as an outfielder with pop, with speed, with yeah. smarts. He can get on base. He can do whatever it is you need him to do. And we could probably get a decent prospect for that type of value player, especially when they're playing above their career averages, despite the fact that they're 37 years old. Sure. He's still got it. He it's does. awesome. Yeah. Um, a guy who has struggles getting on base, Kevin Pillar. Um, Kevin had a great April as is tradition. Um, he's having a pretty, like a typical, I have a, in my notes, a typical year from KP. Um, nothing out of the ordinary, nothing outstanding. Uh, his defense has been declining quite a bit in terms of the the eye. The eye test still says that Kevin Pillar is a very good center fielder, but the speed is not there. His, his, his The thing that saves Kevin Pillar when he's out, when he's in the field is his first step. He's got one of the quickest first steps in the league. And that's what lets him make all these diving catches. But he's making diving catches when guys like a Kevin Kiermaier are just running underneath the ball and making the catch. He's not quite as fast as, yeah. as other guys are. And it's, start, it's starting to catch up with him. Like this year, he's actually, according to some websites, a negative fielder for the first time since, uh, well, the first time ever, really, in a, in a net role. Like in, in 2014, he had his... 2014 and 2016 were his best defensive years. Uh, he's never he's I, never been a negative fielder until this point. I don't quite understand how that could be possible because right now his fielding percentage is 997 when the league average for an outfielder is 985. Yeah, I'm not saying that's the only stat that matters. Is is a good stat to look at, but there's stats like like ultimate zone rating UZR that talk about like your arm strength, your route running, your first step. They kind of they they grade more than just the plays that he makes or doesn't make. Like Kevin Pillar makes yeah. a lot of plays, but there are plays that he could make that he just doesn't get to the ball. He doesn't give himself an opportunity to even make an error. Um, and that's that's where a guy like a Kiermaier or somebody like an Anthony Alford who has insane speed uh comes into play like kevin pilar uh is kind of a like a, he's got like a 50 speed which is is good but anthony alford has a 70 speed so a lot faster <laughs> i yeah i kind of see i think pilar right now might be one of the safest jays as far as not getting yeah. dealt just and I because him being a left fielder next year with granderson being gone yeah and he's 29 we yeah. still have a couple years of team control mm-hmm. i would like it if he you know drew more walks uh and maybe stop striking out uh <laughs> as much as what he it feels like he does i think what we see from uh, kevin plar is what we're gonna get which is fine because he's definitely a serviceable center fielder, but and I think a shift for a 30 second Sorry. draft pick. It's awesome. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're getting value out of him and we'll continue to get value yeah. out of him. Doesn't he, he's 1.9 war for the season. So like he's, yeah, he, from that, from that offensive, it's best on the team He's pretty much, 
he's pretty much a replacement level player, which is what we seem to have this year. So yeah, he does have a positive wins above replacement. So that's that's nice to have because so many of our guys are right around zero or negative. Um, but yeah, I see Kevin Pillar kind of transitioning to ideally a left field role with hopefully Anthony Alford becoming the prospect and the player that we need him to be in time for next season. Um, Alford, I mean, we've, we, we can talk about him a little bit. He hasn't shown a lot of power. He was a guy who was playing, he was playing football until I think he was like 16 and then he picked up a ball glove and decided he was going to play baseball. So <laughs> it's... For a guy who's who's been who hasn't been playing baseball his whole life, he's doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really make mistakes in the outfield. No, not that I've seen from him. Um, certainly not this season, at least. And he, like others, uh, has a good eye. Yeah. Unfortunately, when it comes to his batting fundamentals, uh, it may be like I suggested earlier, systemic issue when when it comes to the swings and misses and be. the sort of reckless abandon that the Jays seem to employ yeah. uh, with their bats. But um, he's only 24 years old. We've mm-hmm. got tons of control. He doesn't make mistakes in the field. Like you said, he's got a 70 speed uh, on the field. I think he's going to be our starting center fielder in maybe a year or two yeah the thing with if, him is though is that he doesn't his his hitting isn't that great he's he's no not, the, the scouts think he has a lot of power but he hasn't found it like he hasn't hit a home run yet this season and no i mean to be fair he's only league. got seven games uh with the jays this year 43 play appearances in buffalo though and hasn't hit a home run really yeah his his batting average is actually a 214 in triple a yikes yeah i mean as an as a defender again it's almost like he it's another johnny mack for the jays yeah. where he's great defender yeah. Um, he, quadruple A bat. Yeah, I don't even know if he's a triple A bat. I like him. I think he's a double A bat with major league defense at this point. Whereas, that's, whereas, quite the, that's quite a divide though still between third ranked prospects though, and I mean behind behind uh, Guerrero and Bichette. So I mean the guy is still. There's no way that he that we give up on him this quick. He's 23. Um, he's got time to figure it out. By all accounts, people who watch him play baseball believe that he still has a future and will kind of grow into the game i mean we we talked about i I mentioned him being a double a bat with major league defense another guy we have vlad guerrero is a major league bat with double a defense so i mean there's kind of like that that trade-off where you kind of wait wait on a guy to develop one aspect of his game before you before you bring him up how many years do you think it'll take for alford to develop that bat? I, I give him given I the give current state of year. the hitting system in toronto i give him i give him another year like we'll see what happens this season like he's still got a ton of time to turn it around i'm not even really worried about the power i just like to see him walk a bit more he, he has a sub 10 percent walk rate and a 30 percent strikeout rate so I'd like to see that get a little bit closer. The thing that I'd like to see first, I don't even really care about the home runs. I just I like to see him get some doubles. And he's got the speed to get a, to hit a ton of triples. Like if he hits the gap, he's got to be thinking three right away. Like he he is fast enough that he should be able to steal some bases. Like he's got six stolen bases in, in eight attempts this season in AAA. But I mean, he's not getting on base that much. His on base percentage down there is 280 versus a 214 average. So I mean, he's not getting on base nearly enough. Um, but I've, I I still believe that Anthony Alford is is a future major league center fielder. Whether or not it's with us or not remains to be seen. We don't really have too many other prospects outfield wise who are ready to play center field. I, I do like him a lot, which is the problem. Do you think he'll be a September call up? Yes, hundred um, percent. Especially if we are continue on this current track, which we will. Uh, <laughs> 
Teoscar <laughs> yeah. Hernandez. This guy literally tears covers off baseballs when he makes contact. Like he hit that opposite field home run the other night in Tro- Tropicana Field that I thought was going to be a routine fly ball to the right center field gap, the way it looked like when he hit it, and it, and it cleared the fence. Not by much, but it looked like an easy, easy fly ball, and the center fielder just kept running and running and running and running out of room. And it was, I mean, the, his power is insane. Like the best power by far in terms of just current state of the team. Like on in our franchise, he might have the best power. He is super strong. Oh my god! He's yeah. already got eleven dingers. Yeah, which is great for a guy that we got, you know, from Houston. From Francisco Liriano. Yeah, I mean, GG. I mean, I do like Liriano, but I, at the same time, I like Teoscar. <laughs> Hernandez much much more and at 26 (laughs) think about think about it he's 20 he's turning 26 in October yeah he won't be a free agent until 2024 so we're still six years away from that yeah and then on top of that, he's a Dominican player, so he's gonna fit. He fits right into the team's, you know, kind core of history. Group. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I really like about him is he's just he's just a slugger. Yeah. He just he hits that you, ball hard. You need to have guys on your team like that. I mean, we can talk about the ways the areas he needs to improve on are definitely his defense, um, just route running, and that's something that you'll learn. That he'll learn as he learns to read the 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 ball off the bat a bit better. And we've kind of we've moved him around a little bit. I think he, he's put a little bit of left field, but mostly right field for us. Um, I, I, I like him better in right field. I think he's got a better arm coming in on the ball as a right-handed fielder. Uh, he's so, performed better fielding-wise in left field. That's in less uh, time, um, though, right? What's that? In, in, in fewer innings, though, I believe. Uh, well, this year so far, he has played 29 games and 251 innings in right, yeah. and then 23 games and 192 innings okay, in so left. It's so it's not that so he's kind of been the guy who's moved around when Granderson's in the lineup. He'll move to right field and vice versa. And he, I mean, I'm looking at his splits right now, and he's actually got to play better offensively as a left fielder, which is strange by well, by quite a large margin, <laughs> actually. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's something. Maybe it's in his head. Maybe who knows? Or it's just something <laughs> that'll even out over time. It's hard to say, but I think we saw a little bit of this. Uh, what he was capable of last year. Uh, he only played 26 games for us, but he had eight home runs in 26 yeah. games. He came in, he came up, and he showed us what he can do. I mean, he can do quite a bit. Uh, I like him a lot. He's going to be on our team for a while. We've got him team controlled for a couple more years. And as far as I'm concerned, he fits in with our future plan as as another slugger. Like, can you just just picture having Vladdy and Hernandez kind of batting back to back in a lineup? That's pretty. Da- it's a pretty dangerous. Uh, combo in terms of just raw power i'd love to see t- uh hernandez as the two hitter and then vladdy as three yeah and we if we still have that smoke hitting cleanup that'd be nice that'd be a good combo yeah. well it, just a fun little stat quirk yeah um last year in 2017 hernandez's batting average was 261 mm-hmm. and his obp was 305 yeah this year to date 261 batting average 305 OBP. So we've kind so... of seen who he is. He's not going to take a ton of walks because he likes to swing, and I can respect that. Um, I, I don't expect to. Sl- yeah. I, I like to see him like when we've had sluggers in the past, like Edwin and Jose, who are good at drawing walks, and Josh Donaldson as well. Um, and that's something that maybe Hernandez develops as he gets along. Once he gets a bit more comfortable, like he, like I said, he's only played in 119 big league games. He doesn't even have a full season of of service time yet, technically. 
Um, so, I mean, the, the guy's got some learning to do. And like you said, he's, he's 25. He'll be 26 in October. He's got tons of time to further so figure it time. out at the plate. Yeah. If he hasn't already kind of figured out what he needs to they, do. They have him but, ranked as uh, eighth prospect, even though he's playing for us right now. So, yeah, I mean, he won't be on that list for, for any no. longer. I think he's here to stay. I think so too. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I just like him. I yeah. think he's, a, he's going to be a fan favorite in Toronto. He'll probably end up being uh, the new Jose Batista. Yeah, I, I think I think if he continues on his current trajectory, he can get there. Um, Randall Grichuk, super frustrating <laughs> start to the season, but since he's been back, he's raised his average like eighty points from hundred to one eighty one, which it's not saying much, but he's he's standing up a lot taller. I mean, they they mentioned they commented on it a lot on the broadcast a few nights ago. They showed a kind of a side by side comparison too him in april versus him now and like in april i think he was doing a full squat and now it looks like he's standing he's standing a bit more upright and i i when i was playing slow pitch i i uh, did a little test with the bat when you're crouched lower down it takes a lot more effort and time to bring your bat through the zone than it does when you're standing a little bit more upright because you can get that quick step in a bit quicker or a bit faster sorry and just bring that bat head around so i mean and randall said that when they were he was talking to hazel may a couple nights ago that he just feels like he's he's faster with his bat now and he can get around on pitches and drive stuff the other way which he's done a couple of times yeah i i didn't realize this but he's only 26 yeah, and we still have lots of control on him the thing with Grichuk is that he's kind of in the same boat as as everybody else where he's, he doesn't take a lot of walks and he never has in his career anywhere. So, I mean, we, we've got a ton of these players on our team who just aren't terribly patient. Yeah, that it's problematic in the long term because yeah. you need to have players be willing to take pitches and, and be we... patient and wait. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you know what I, I mean? It, again, it's a systemic problem on the team. Yeah. There's no patience and it's, it's, I think it ultimately should be falling on the coach and not necessarily the player as far as developing that skill at the plate. There's still time for Grichik to figure it out. For I sure. was super mad and super salty about his batting average earlier in the season but he, you're right. He's brought it up. He's, we've got tons of control on him. Mm-hmm. And um, once he figures out the bat mechanics, I see him as being like a 230, 240 hitter who's got a surprising amount of pop. And I think we'll see that uh, when he kind of gets some more at bats as the season goes on. And yeah, excuse me, maybe we'll maybe, maybe we'll see him, you know, bat somewhere in the middle of the lineup and actually get a chance to hit with some guys on base and start driving in some, some runs for sure. So Dwight Smith jr. Is the next guy we have on our list from what I've seen from, from Dwight Smith, I'd like to see more of him because he's come up and he's, he's hit well in a couple of stints. I mean, the guy's got a 300 average only 15 games, but he also had a 370 average in only 12 games last season. So he's, he's had some limited major league time, but he's shown that he can hit. Um, yep. But for some reason, we just keep offering the poor guy back to Buffalo. And <clears throat> like it, it, according to baseball reference, over a 162-game average, he'd hit 333 based on his career numbers so far. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh, that's wishful thinking. But, I mean, yeah. I get what you're saying. I agree. Yeah. I like Dwight Smith Jr. a lot. And 
it were to be up to me, mm-hmm. I would have him as a regular everyday player in MLB right now. He's also only 24. So Yeah, he's a kid. He's, he's a, a kid. baby compared to like the rest he's of the... He's a junior, as, as they say. Uh, yeah. But but it, the thing with Dwight Smith is just he doesn't really... F- f- there's not really a roster spot for him right now because we've got five outfielders on the team right now with Granderson, Hernandez, Pilar, Grichuk, and who am I missing? Uh no, maybe nobody. Maybe we have four outfielders right now, but we'll have Steve Pierce back very soon, and it's going to be a log jam in the outfield. Yeah, I think what happens is one or more are going to get dealt at the deadline, and it's probably going to be Granderson because that opens up the opportunity for Dwight Smith to come up, get some more at bats. Yeah, another, another uh, September the, guy. The stats look great, great. though. Uh, it, again, it, it's a li- very very limited. Yeah, I know. I just. Are you aware of what he's been doing in Buffalo? Because I I don't I didn't bother to look that up before right we now. started. Um, while I do that, we can touch a bit on Anthony Alfred and Dalton Pompey. But we we talked about Alfred, so let's talk about Dalton Pompey a little bit. Um, it's it's tough. It's I, I again another guy that I've liked and and thought that he would be further along than he ha- than he is. I, I'm I'm kind of in the boat on Dalton Pompey where I'm like, hey, let's let's kind of just get rid of him at this point. Yeah, give him another chance on a different I don't team. Think he fits I in just this, our organizational organization's future. He's great in the field. Yeah, from what like, we've seen, but we've already but got Alfred man, who's great he, in the field but can't hit either. So yeah, as far he's always been the odd man out on our yeah. our club. He's definitely got a lower ceiling than a guy like Alfred too in terms of just pure talent. Um, yeah, yeah I just probably. don't see I don't see him being on the team. I think he'll be a spare part that is thrown in to what will eventually be the Curtis Granderson or the Josh Donaldson deal yeah. where he'll add value that'll help us get back a prospect that we desperately need, like a starting pitcher prospect For or something sure. like that. Um, I, I have Dwight Smith's AAA numbers now. They're pretty good. He's hitting 289. This is in 148 plate appearances. He's got three home runs. Um, his slugging percentage, his OPS is about 850, give or take a couple. Ow. Um, and like, like I said, he's, he's walking 15% of the time and only striking out 16% of the time. So he's been pretty patient. And that's comparable. Like when he was up with us, he had an eight or a nine percent walk rate and a twelve percent strikeout rate. So I mean, the guy he's not striking out more than he's walking by a ton, um, which is the, which has been the case over his AAA career. In other years, like last year when he was up with us, he struck out a lot more, but his strikeout rate across the board has been down every time outside of his twenty-seven appearance in the big leagues. So I, I I'm pretty high on Dwight Smith. Just based on the fact that he's making decent contact and he his his batting average on balls and play is is three twenty in the big leagues, which is not unsustainable with the average being around three hundred. He's shown good power numbers um, in terms of extra base hits. He had out of out of the nine hits he's got in twenty eighteen, five of them are extra bases. So wow, I mean that the, three, three walks, four strikeouts. One of these yeah. guys out of. Pilar, Hernandez, Grichik, Smith, and Alford, at least one of these guys is going to be the Dalton Pompey of the new generation where they're going to be the odd man out. And it's going to be either Smith or Alford. So, yeah, I mean, who do you think it's going to be? I, I'd, like because to see, it, I'd like to see why not both uh, in, in a sense that like Kevin Plyer is going to be 30 soon. We have Alford, we have Dwight Smith Jr., and we have... Um, Teoscar Hernandez. That seems like a decent outfield to me. 
in terms of the the guys are all they're 24 25 and 26 respectively right now it's Grichik pretty, is also 26 yeah but Grichik is a worse player than any of our current options i think he, he's definitely our weakest outfielder he might be a good defender yeah but offensively a corner outfielder is supposed to contribute a reasonable amount of offense and Grichik has some power but he doesn't get on base doesn't draw any walks go figure blue jays and it just doesn't seem like he's going to be the guy who who fits in long term. Yeah, I mean, I I would I would be very very cool with our outfield in 2019 being uh, Hernandez, Smith, and Alford. Yeah, but, but like if Kevin Pillar is the odd man out, I think that means Pilar's we're probably going to have to trade him. Field. And what kind of value is there for Kevin Pillar? Not a ton. And that, I, I think Kevin Pillar sticks in left field with us next year, left or right field. And Alfred is probably, Alfred or Smith will probably be our fourth outfielder. Um, Hernandez basically has a starting spot solidified for the foreseeable future. So I don't I don't see him going anywhere. And as as is probably the case with Kevin Pillar, so then you, you throw over Dwight Smith and Alfred probably to fight for that remaining outfield spot. Based on the very limited data that we have between the two of them, yeah, I would much prefer to have Dwight, Dwight Smith Smith's definitely more up, ready. up on yeah. the team. Yeah, for sure. But Alford has more upside. He has a higher ceiling just because of that speed. I could see him being the kind of player that, you know, is great in the outfield, but might also have the capability to steal, you know, 25 to 35 bases. True, and that's and that's a very valuable. If, if he can ever figure out his, his hitting, he's the kind of guy you'd like to see hit in front of our power guys, like maybe a potential leadoff guy in Alford. But, like a Billy Hamilton type. Yeah. Who, uh, I'd even see him more as like remember when we had Ben Revere for that little stretch, kind of a guy like that. Yeah, I mean, who hits, I liked Ben Revere. It's a but... ton of a ton of singles, doubles, and then steals some bases. Yeah, Alfred's probably a guy like his power numbers, his power stuff is supposed to be um, very raw and undeveloped. I I'd see more of him as a as a contact doubles kind of singles hitter um than a power masher um which is completely fine because he you need guys to get on base for when guys like hernandez and guerrero and smoker on base are, are, are at the bat sorry so that they can drive them in um so i mean alfred i think is a, is our long-term solution but dwight smith is making a very very strong case to be at least included in that picture yeah, well put. <laughs> yeah, and with, with that being said, we're, we're we're closing in on ninety minutes, so we could probably uh, wrap up with with some closing thoughts. Um, so we've 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 talked a bit about just now of who we'd like to see in our outfield next year. Um, current roster prospects. You you think we keep Justin Smoke on that team option next year? Uh, if he's not traded, he's more val he's more valuable to us as a tradable commodity than he is as a first baseman. Okay. We could we can always sign whoever's on the free agent market. I'd rather get value for smoke now. Fair enough. Uh, no, knowing that there is a distinct possibility Vladimir Guerrero moves to that side of the infield. Right. So you don't see Justin Smoke with the team next year? You think he'll be traded? Uh, I think because this season is a sunk cost, we're better off getting maximum value for our valuable players. So I like Smoke, yeah. uh, and he's hilarious. <laughs> but I'd rather get maximum value. We gotta we gotta burn it down. Yeah. So no, we'll I don't there. see him next year. Yeah, and we and we talked about we talked about Guriel. We both like him to start at second base next year. Shortstop yep. is a bit of a different story. Based on Bobochet's recent play, I I see him potentially still being ready next year. He started off pretty slow in Double A compared to what he had done um, last season in in High A, but he's definitely turned. He's hitting like 300 over his last stretch 
which is great and and the and the, the extra base power has come back for Bichette. Um he's likely going to be moved to AAA at some point, but again, as we've touched on in previous discussions, we have an organizational depth at shortstop that makes it very tough for Bobochet to move up right now. Um but I mean, right now our shortstop situation is likely looking like a Bichette, Salarte, maybe a Ledmus Diaz situation next season. I don't know. Yeah, it's the thing. I as much as I would love to bring up all the young guns and let them see what they can do. Let them go. Yeah. Uh, Bichette in Double A has yet to see pitchers with some weird stuff. Like yeah, he's seen like seeing a lot of fastballs. I I want him to take the time in triple a to to look at those off-speed pitches and really develop that skill before he comes up so i'm kind of actually in disagreement in that i would like to see him uh stay another year in uh triple a and i would like to see a platoon of diaz Mm -hmm. uh, as well as um urania Sure. At short. I, I don't mind that either. Urania is kind of a guy I forgot about. Um, so the shortstop's pretty up in the air at this point. Third base, we know Donaldson's not going to be there. Hopefully it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, he's out right now with, with that knee issue for at least four weeks. I, I like the cautious move there. I don't want to see him get hurt. I I'm, I can't really speak to too much about the injury, uh, so I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. And then at, at catcher, I mean, we have Danny Jansen, who is probably our organization's best catcher just wasting away with Buffalo right now um, and putting on a show down there. Uh, Russell Martin, if there's any way we can get him off the team, uh, a Maley and Jansen situation next year seems like it'd be okay. Likely it's going to be Luke Maley who's going to be the odd man out at that position, though. Uh, I think you're right about that, but just as a, a previous thought to third base, I would think Solarte will be our third baseman next year. Yeah. Vladdy, I would love to see Vladdy just come up and just knock the shit out of the ball and just be the guy, be the man, be the face of the team. But it's okay to take our time and call 2019 what it is for sure and just get give those guys maximum development i'd rather them come up overripe than even slightly underprepared and guerrero and bichette have that same issue yeah. where they they need to see the off-speed stuff yeah. salarte is a good stopgap guerrero is a september call-up next year makes sense to me and yeah. again we've got diaz we've got guriel and even Urania can, or even Russell Martin can do spot starts at third when Solarte needs a night off. That's uh, just my thought. But yeah, I agree completely with the catching fair. position. A, a Hopefully, world, a it's a melee Jansen tandem. In a perfect world, it's melee Jansen. And in a perfect world, Vlad Guerrero is at third base next year. Um, with that being said, thanks everybody for listening to us ramble on for 90 minutes. Um, our next episode, we'll hopefully talk about something a little bit more happy than these last this last couple have been uh, with the doom and gloom but until then uh, we'll sign off with patrick and justin on bat flips and maple dips